Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. Support also comes from Grandma's Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison, in for Nomin Ujiadeen. Today is Tuesday, February 22nd. Coming up, a conversation with the mayor of the unified government of Wyandotte County in Kansas City, Kansas, as he reaches two months in office. And later, climate change is having a range of effects across the Midwest, including warmer winters and more extreme weather, with farmers feeling the effects. We don't get a couple of inches of snow, we get 18 inches of snow all at once. And then in five days, it's 70 degrees again. Like, that's devastating to a vegetable farm. But first, some headlines. U.S. Representative Emanuel Cleaver announced a cooperative plan to improve a regional transit corridor that stretches from Independence to Kansas City, Kansas. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The Bi-State Sustainable Reinvestment Corridor spans 24 miles and would connect Wyandotte County to Jackson County across the state line. Federal infrastructure funding would support investments in zero-emission transit and green infrastructure. Jackson County Executive Frank White says the regional plan focuses on creating an east-to-west transportation network. This effort alone will connect diverse communities in our region, answering the much-needed call we hear too often from residents in our urban and historic neighborhoods. Other goals of the reinvestment corridor include improving internet access and supporting new affordable housing along transit lines. And that wasn't the only big transit news. Kyle Palmer of the Shawnee Mission Post reports that new federal funding will enable some major changes to service in Johnson County. Starting this spring, the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority will launch several pilot programs in Johnson County aimed at expanding service in the suburbs. That includes adding service on some routes every day of the week, which would be a first for Johnson County. There will also be a new route between the downtown areas of Overland Park and Lenexa. So-called microtransit services will also be expanded, allowing more people to arrange pickups and drop-offs for specific trips. These new programs will be paid for in part by cutting service on some under performing routes, and also with federal COVID-19 relief fund. A complaint alleging that members of the Hickman Mills School Board irregularly spent taxpayer money is being investigated by the Missouri Attorney General's office. KCUR's Jody Fortino reports. The Kansas City Star reported that the complaint in part accuses school board president Byron Townsend and vice president Deron McGee of spending more than $16,000 on an out-of-town retreat and entering into contracts without the board's approval or acknowledgement. The school board said that it is, quote, actively working to complete its consideration of this matter and anticipates collaborating with the attorney general's office to resolve the complaint. Board member Cecil Watry told KCUR that he welcomed the investigation as showing transparency and accountability to the community. And the Kansas House has approved a constitutional amendment that would give the legislature the authority to revoke rules and regulations created by the governor's administration and state agencies. As Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports, the proposal failed in the House last week, but a procedural move gave lawmakers one last chance. The amendment got the two-thirds majority vote needed in the Kansas House with support from Republican lawmakers. They say it will stop governors and state agencies from making rules that effectively change state law. 
But Democrats oppose the bill, saying the change would disrupt the state's balance of power. They say the bill is targeting Democratic Governor Laura Kelly. If the amendment is approved in the Senate, it will go to a statewide vote this fall. Tyrone Gardner took office as the mayor of the unified government of Wyandotte County in Kansas City, Kansas in mid-December. The first black mayor took the helm of a government that has overseen a lot of economic development, but with concerns that the growth hasn't always been equitable. A former deputy police chief, he's called for reforms in a department under federal investigation for corruption. I asked Garner about all of that last week, but we started with what he thinks about the state's new congressional redistricting map, which is now being challenged in court. Most of our residents here in Wyandotte County rejected that proposal. We don't stand with how that divides Wyandotte County and, and really separates us into two parts, I-70 kind of being that divider line. Um, Wyandotte County, uh, we're an urban community. A, a lot of uh, the issues are, are really unique to us, especially when you talk about being in the Kansas City metropolitan area. It's really been valuable for us to have that one go-to uh, representative that we can share as a, a unified community, not just as government, um, the concerns and the interests and, and, and the needs of our uh, hardworking residents here in Wyandotte County. Uh, and what would be the problem with having it split between two congressional districts? I mean, is there is there a case to be made that you'd be benefit from having two different members of Congress working on the county's behalf? We see no benefit. Uh, the reason for that is is now we have to try and leverage uh, good services and resources and representation from two representatives as, as opposed to one. Just a better process to be able to go to that one dedicated uh, representative um, with the needs of, of our county to be able to get the job done, uh, as opposed to having to leverage two, which may have di- diverging uh, views or, or interests yeah. or, or political alignment to be able to get to where we need to be as a county. Uh, when you talk about uh, the needs of our residents here and our taxpayers and the businesses, uh, development interests, infrastructure needs, it just makes for an easier process that you have that one dedicated representative to take these issues to work and collaborate with that individual yeah. uh, to hopefully uh, get the type of representation that, uh, in my opinion, Wyandotte County deserves. Of course, that representative right now is Sharice Davids. Uh, and one of the reasons that Governor Laura Kelly gave for vetoing the map that a lot of Democrats gave for opposing it was that it was seen as an effort specifically to unseat Congresswoman Davids. Um, Governor Kelly also said she believed it was an intentional effort by Republicans to dilute the voices of people of color in representation in Congress. Uh, As the first black mayor of the unified government, I'm curious whether you see it that way. Yeah, that's a huge concern. You can't overlook that valid concern uh, that not only I have, but so many in our community have. When you split um, our county like that, it it really just divides Wyandotte County and really, um, in my opinion, pits two parts of our county against each other uh, for resources. To me, it's just not to, the way things should be done. We've got to stay unified, not just as a government, but as a community. We're a very diverse community, and we want to make sure that whatever shared values and interests we have, that uh, those divisions based on resource allocations, fundings, infrastructure, um, that uh, it doesn't uh, cause the divide that uh, we've worked so hard uh, here in Wyandotte County to overcome. Mayor Garner, I want to turn to another issue that uh, was uh, an issue during the campaign. It was part of your campaign platform uh, calling for uh, enhanced safety and real reforms of uh, police in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, We know that the KCK Police Department's been investigated by the FBI for decades. 
uh, or actually has been investigated for corruption that dates back decades. Uh, where does that investigation stand? What can you tell us about it? I can't comment on that. I think those questions would better be better served with our chief and those uh, law enforcement and, and public safety leaders. All right. But in the campaign, you talked about uh, needing to bring reforms. How, how, how is that going? Do you have particular plans that you've been implementing so far? I do. Um, I've actually set up a, a committee. It's going to be chaired by Commissioner Ramirez to look at real reforms uh, in our police department, uh, and not just in our police department, but just in our municipal criminal justice system process um, to make sure it reflects uh, 21st century values, best practices across the country, um, and some progressive ideas. And some of that is just service oriented. A lot of our residents, when they have issues to take care of in municipal court, um, it's usually doing work hours. Uh, one of the, the proposals we'd like to see is we'd like to see uh, maybe weekend court or an evening court to better serve uh, those citizens so it doesn't impact uh, their job or their family uh, in, in a negative way. Uh, one thing that we are also looking at is we're looking at how we can legally uh, and um, responsibly um, have a conversation about uh, the penalizing uh, marijuana in our city as well. So those are just a couple of the things that that committee will be looking at. So another thing you said during the campaign, uh, you told the star's Melinda Hennenberger last year that if you won the mayor's office, one of the first and most urgent obligations you would have would be traveling to D.C. to explain to officials at the Department of Justice why the why a team of investigators was needed ASAP for the police department. You said we need to have outside eyes. Do you feel like the investigation that's going on now satisfies that demand? Well, let me be clear about that. The context of that conversation is simple for me. Um, if there's any allegations of criminal wrongdoing against any of our public safety or just any public figures, period, in the unified government, I support and I welcome any outside investigations in, into those matters. And uh, if I need to take that step, a leadership step, to further that in collaboration with our, our law enforcement leadership team here, our DA, our police chief, and our sheriff, um, this mayor would be willing to take that step uh, to do that. Ongoing investigation aside, uh, people are living and working in Wyandotte County right now. The FBI investigative report that KCUR uh, unearthed back in November, uh, written by an FBI agent, concluded that KCK police officers routinely violated the civil rights of those they were sworn to protect. They beat people in the city jail. They were alleged to have been dealing illegal drugs and committing robberies. What assurances can you give your residents that this kind of corruption doesn't exist within the department right now. What you just said reinforces my position on on why we need independent outside individuals coming in doing these investigations. I can't say that with the, the hiring of Chief Oakman, um, that he is putting in place some, some reforms and he's got an eight point plan that he's putting in place and he's really, uh, really committed to this county uh, and the citizens of at least Kansas City, Kansas and holding his officers accountable and really, really embedding them in community uh, policing uh, 21st century policing uh, initiatives. And then you can't overlook our, our district attorney, uh, Mark Dupree, on bringing the reforms and the changes that he fought so hard for from day one when he became our district attorney uh, to bring the type of reforms in the criminal justice system that, that, in my opinion, have been long overdue. I spoke with Mayor Garner last Thursday on KCUR's Up to Date. It just wouldn't be good science to read too much into a single 70-degree day like the Kansas City area enjoyed on Monday. But even so, if it is seeming to you like winter just isn't as cold as it used to be, you're not wrong. 
In Missouri and Kansas, in fact, the average winter temperature is about 4 degrees warmer now than it was in 1970. As Shayla Farzan reports, those warmer winters are changing how some farmers grow their crops. On a frigid winter morning, Liz Graznak cracks open the door of a greenhouse, letting out a rush of warm, earthy-smelling air. She carefully peels back a layer of cloth on the ground, revealing rows of tiny sprouts. That's the delphinium plants. These little dudes right there. <laughs> this is just one of four greenhouses that Graznak has at her organic farm near Columbia, Missouri. Inside, she's able to grow delicate, high-value crops, like flowers and spinach. Graznak says these greenhouses help protect plants from extreme swings in weather, something she's noticed is happening more frequently. We don't get a couple of inches of snow. We get 18 inches of snow all at once. And then in five days, it's 70 degrees again. Like, that's devastating to a vegetable farm. Data show extreme weather is just one of the many effects of climate change across the U.S. For farmers like Graznak, another major change is warmer winters. The four hottest Januaries on record have all occurred since 2016. Amy Butler is a climate scientist at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. She says winter is warming faster than any other season, based on data going back to the late 1800s. But, she says, cold weather will still happen. Less cold does not mean never cold. It just means that really cold weather will happen less often and be less severe or persistent in the future. These warmer winters have ripple effects in agriculture, says Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub in Ames, Iowa. One of the effects is on soils. Toddy says Midwestern soil is fertile because historically it freezes every year, which stops bacteria and other organisms from breaking it down. As the winters warm, we have a longer period of time where that is unfrozen or we have more of the area that it never freezes. So the soils can kind of break down. So we start losing more of that good uh, nutrient value in those soils. When soils don't freeze, it can also help crop pests survive the winter and allow them to expand into new regions. But when it comes to agriculture in the Midwest, one of the most noticeable results of climate change right now is longer growing seasons. Richard Oswald's family has been farming in northwest Missouri on the Nebraska border since the 1840s. When I was a kid, my dad had a firm rule, you don't plant corn before the 12th of May. And the reason for that is the right time to plant corn is when oak leaves are the size of squirrel's ears. That's when the season starts. <laughs> Now, Oswald says, he and other farmers plant corn a month earlier, in mid-April. That's partly because they're planting hardier varieties now. But he says the weather also warms up a lot sooner than it used to. These longer growing seasons can result in higher yields. Still, Oswald says he worries climate change will make farming much harder in the future. He's been thinking about it more and more since 2019, when catastrophic flooding swamped his farm and childhood home. From his pickup truck, he points to where the water stood for months. From the Nebraska bluffs behind us to the Missouri bluffs in front of us, it was all water. Oswald lost about 26,000 bushels of corn in that flood, some of which is still rotting on the ground at his farm. He says farmers rely on science and data every day to grow their crops, and the data show climate change is happening. But in his community, 
not many people will discuss it. They don't want to use the word climate change. Yeah, it's been hot, but I don't want to call it climate change. Or it's been wet, but I wouldn't say it's climate change. Having these frank discussions is hard, he says, but it will help them better prepare for what's coming. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Shayla Farzan. That story came from Harvest Public Media, a reporting collaborative based at KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To hear episodes of Up to Date, where my interview with Tyrone Garner first aired, or to hear more from Shayla Farzan about the impact of warmer winters, visit kcur.org. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.